the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. Well, this morning we start the second part of a two-part series entitled Dealing with Division. And we find that in 1 Corinthians 3, verses 18 through 23. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 through 23 is the passage we started last week. Follow along as I read that. The Apostle Paul writes, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age, he must become foolish so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise, that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. Our outline has been six principles to remember. Six principles to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church. And you'll remember it is pride, it is selfishness, it is self-glory that causes division in the church, division in the family, division in any relationship. By way of review, Last week, we saw the first three. I'll recap those for you. The first point, the first principle to remember to deal with pride and division was the asinine success. He begins in verse 18, let no one or let no man deceive himself. The second principle to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church is the antithetical strategy. He goes on in verse 18 to say, if any man among you thinks that he is wise in this age... He must become foolish so that he may become wise. Paul then goes on to support all of this with the greatest authority, God himself. Namely, he quotes two Old Testament passages. And we saw this in our third principle, the authoritative support. In verses 19 and 20, we see these two verses. He starts by summarizing again, For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, for it is written, And then he quotes, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows their reasonings or the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. Because of all of this, he goes on in the beginning of verse 21 to say, So then, let no one boast in men. Why? Good question. Thanks for asking. That's answered in our next principle to remember the absolute supply. The end of verse 21 and into verse 22. The absolute supply. 
For all things belong to you, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all things belong to you. Now, if you're very confused by this verse, that's okay. Because first of all, how do you possess life and death? And even if that made sense, what does that mean? It sounds like Paul is saying that God has given us all things. Now, we know that as a spiritual principle, this is true. But what does it mean to have the world? What does it mean for the Corinthians to own Paul or that we possess death? Surely it means more than we will die, and it does. To understand this, let's first take a look at the all-encompassing statement, all things belong to you. This is the reason we shouldn't boast in anyone else. In Christ, there is no limit to what we possess, so why limit your boasting to one person? But again, that possession comes from God. So when Paul says all things are yours from God, it is an affirmation, and this is very important. This is an affirmation of our total dependence on God. And therein you see one of the problems. When we boast in just ourselves or other people, we are saying our confidence is in that thing, my ability, my family, my work, my bank account, whatever it is. Yes, to us belong all things, but only by God's grace. And so there is a dependence on him. So stop boasting in an object that God has given you and boast in him. That puts things in perspective, right? Why boast in this thing when you can boast in the giver, the creator of that thing? Although he can't explain or list every single thing, Paul gives a list of items that relate to the Corinthians' particular situation, as well as some items that are so broad that they can encompass everything. Let's start with Paul or Apollos or Cephas, which is another word for Peter. Paul starts with the issue at hand. And what he's saying is that God has given all teachers to the church. No one teacher carries all the truths of God, and we have been gifted We have been gifted all of them. These are all leaders, whether dead or alive, that God has sent us. They are ours. They belong to the church. And so they shouldn't be saying, I belong to Paul. They should be saying, Paul belongs to me. Paul belongs to us. He is our teacher. God has given him to us. Furthermore, why create factions and partisan divisions based on a specific individual when we have all of them? I've actually seen this in Bible studies where there was a division over theology, but the way that they played it out was they bragged, they boasted in their discipler. This is at the college level. This is in a very dark time of a familiar Bible study many of you are familiar with. Godly, amazing study now. And a different theology had crept into there, and so there was a division. And so at the end of the year, When they have their big retreat, people were saying, anything you want to share about your year here? And they would say, well, I'm so thankful for my discipler because he taught me this and this. And someone on the other side was like, well, I'm really thankful for my discipler because he did this and this. An elder of that powerful church actually resigned and left the church over this, what happened at a college level. It was a big deal. And this is what happens. Why do this? They all belong to you. Nah, not sprawl. I'm a MacArthur guy. Why do that? Listen to all their sermons. Read all their books. They're all for us. They don't want the credit. They don't want the glory. They don't want a faction based on them. It's called Ligonier. It's not called Sprawl Conference International. 
It's called the Shepherds Conference. It's not called John MacArthur Shepherds, the Shepherds Conference. It's for everyone. They all belong to us. Why cause division over those things? And so having addressed the particular issue, Paul goes on to explain the bigger items that we possess, the world. The world belongs to you, church. What is this? This is literally the world. This is the created, ordered universe, so not just the earth, the created, ordered universe where God has placed us. By divine promise, that is, by promise of the Creator Himself, the world is ours and we have dominion over it. You understand this all the way from the beginning of Genesis. But also we know that in the millennial kingdom, we will possess the world, the heavens and the earth, in an even deeper way as God assigns us, as God allows us. As the redeemed and through the wisdom of God, we see the world as it actually is. And this is a huge part of possessing the world. We don't just see the world as Mother Nature or evolution or the, or, uh, the Big Bang or something to manipulate for, for our own good, something that's going to live for, for millions of years and so we must protect it. No, we understand that the, the world has a shelf life and God is coming to judge and destroy. We see the world as it is, as a means, as a vessel for us to glorify Him. And as the redeemed and through the wisdom of God... We know that He is the Creator and we have a relationship with Him. We worship Him in it, in the world, whatever it may be, in nature, in the mountains, in the trees, in the animal kingdom, even in electricity, the lights, this GoPro camera, this laptop over there, all of these things, in them we, because we have been redeemed, because we have the Holy Spirit, we see His power. We recognize His wisdom. And we enjoy His grace. We see these attributes in all created things. And when that understanding boils down to the particulars of our lives, it is in and through the world that we faithfully serve for His glory. This leads to the next two, which is, might be the most confusing. We possess life and death. This means more than we are alive and we will die. In this life, let's start with life. In this life, we live fully. We live as mankind was created to live, that is to worship and glorify the Creator. We know, as Christians, that living a full life is not having a family, is not having a success successful career and a home. That's man's wisdom. That's foolishness. Living a full life is living all things to the glory of God. That's God's wisdom. And if living to the glory of God means having a family and having a success, successful career as he sees fit, praise God. And if living to the glory of God means that you were never able to finish high school and all you can do is uh, work a part-time job that pays less than minimum wage, praise God. You are living a full life so long as you live it for God's glory. That's God's wisdom. But we also possess death. Because of Christ, even death has been conquered and is ours. It's not the end, but a new beginning in a release from sin, temptation, and evil that plagues us from the day we are born. We no longer fear death because God has taken care of the dread of it on the cross. 
we can say with Paul as he quotes Hosea, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Or even further, as Paul says in Philippians 1, 21, to die is actually gain. In Christ, even the most feared and misunderstood reality of life belongs to us. Then he goes on and he says, things present or things to come. Despite the challenges of our present time, again, because of Christ, we see the present within God's sovereign plan and as a crucial time to glorify God. And it's different. Yes, we will glorify and praise God forever and eternity, but understand now, now is the time that we are earning reward. Now is the time that we can repent of sin. Now is the time that we can struggle, fight, strive for holiness. Understand that when I say the challenges of our present time, I am not talking about the coronavirus or protests in the streets. The greatest challenge in your life today is your personal sin. And so, in this life, we know that Christ has conquered it and we strive to repent of it. And knowing and living in a way that everything is in God's hands makes us that much more joyful and that much more spiritually rich. But it's not just the present that is ours, it is the things to come. Not the future of this life, that would be the present, but eternity. Even that is ours in Christ. Knowing that the future is ours, how much more should we live in a way that honors God today, knowing that it affects our future? And we saw that in the passage regarding reward and wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious metals, precious stone. Then Paul closes with all things belong to you. So the Corinthians, by claiming Paul or Cephas or Apollos, were actually claiming too little. Everything is yours, he says. And to none of it, none of it, are we in bondage. The unbelieving world is in bondage to these things. They're in bondage to it. Life is all they have. It's the rat race. Death, fear, and unknown. Things present, stress. Things to come, again, fear and unknown are just We just cease to be, they say. But for the believer, we have all these things in Christ and we are not enslaved to these things. And the phrase in Christ is crucial. It is key. That's what brings it all together and for us brings this series to a close in our sixth principle to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church, the amazing syndicate. The amazing syndicate. Verse 23. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. This is the theological basis for everything we've looked at today. All things are ours because we belong to Christ, and everything belongs to Him. He, in turn, belongs to God. As the church, we are His purchased possession. And since we as a corporate entity belong to Him, we also all belong to each other. There is a mutual accountability and submission called to in Scripture. We all belong to each other and 
those leaders that the Corinthians are creating factions with are part of the church. They're not separate. They're not above. They're all part of it. We are all in this together. And as an entity, the church, the universal church, but as it plays out into the local church, we own all of these things. We possess all of these things. And again, the key is in Christ. And if it is one person that is the giver and the unifier of all these things, then there is no place for division. There is no place for pride and self-glory. So, we've seen six principles to remember to combat self-glory and division in the church. The asinine success, the antithetical strategy, the authoritative support, the adverse standard, the absolute supply, and the awesome syndicate. Understand that as you take this passage and these sermons home and you try to apply them and you evaluate, do I have this problem? Do I have this problem with pride either in the church or elsewhere? It doesn't matter if it's not played out in the church, it's in your heart, that's the problem. As you think through that and as you, you, you say, do I have pride in my life, in my heart, in some way? And just to save you some time, I'm going to let you know that the answer is yes, you do. And as you focus and as you try to deal with that and as you see that it can lead to division, even as we saw last week in your own heart, thinking, creating a divide in your mind in terms of the levels or or whatever it may be in your mind of other people because that's what pride is, right? Considering not others more important than yourself but considering yourself more important than others. You have to remember that there is a commonality in Christ, He is the great equalizer. Whether you clean toilets for a living or you're a multi-billionaire because you make toilets for a living, it doesn't matter. Whether you're you're the guy who has to give the change at the store for minimum wage or you're the guy who invests other people's money and you're living as the 1%. Christ is the great equalizer, not in social status, not in economic status, not even in education. He's a great equalizer because we know he has given it all to us. And just as we can say, we have been blessed because I have a home, I have hand sanitizer and masks and heat and light and running water. So the Christian homeless man can say, I have been blessed because I got to, I found a half-eaten burrito today and that guy gave me some change and I am uh, alive. And the millionaire in the house ends that statement with, because I have Christ and the homeless man who was grumbling and sick and cold says, because I have Christ. Yesterday I was on the phone with a younger couple in our church, and they were driving on their way to play golf together. And it's something that the husband has done for a while, and the wife is now enjoying that with him. And that evening, it occurred to me, 
And I'm not saying this because it bothered me because it never has. I never even thought about it. I told my wife, I said, it's so good that they're doing that thing. They have a thing that they do together outside of just normal life. And I realized my wife and I never had a thing. We never had a hobby that we could say, this is how we relax. Uh, we, you know, we go bowling together. We play golf together. We go skiing together. Because we dated long distance on different countries in different continents. And then a month after we got married, we moved to a developing country in Eastern Europe where those things we probably would have done in America didn't exist. And then when we moved to America, we had kids, and so we just didn't have the free time to get away to develop a hobby like that. But it never occurred to me because it didn't matter. We don't need a thing. In our understanding of, of enjoying marriage in Christ and enjoying each other, we, just ha- we had each other. And so we learned to just enjoy taking walks. We learned to uh, enjoy just, uh, you know, in that country, g- going grocery shopping, which if you've ever visited or lived in Europe, you know it's quite the ordeal. Developing country or first world country. Fresh produce, then the cheese guy, then the meat guy and all that and especially where we live just going to little mom and pop shops and seeing if maybe they they had imported or bought at the big wholesale market something that we were familiar with from the states and we enjoyed each other even though we didn't have a thing and I think sometimes that's what causes division yeah yes we're the church yes but you know I like those guys because we have this thing I like these gals because we have that thing. And that thing may be age. That, that thing may be a hobby. That thing may just be a conversation about sports or, or whatever it may be. Politics. But understand that there's a bigger thing and that thing is a person and that person is Christ. It's okay that you're not best friends with everyone in any church you've ever been to. People complain, oh, there's cliques in the church. And as our church gets bigger, there's cliques. That's fine. You want clicks. Because you know what clicks mean to me? That means opening up with three or four people. That, that, that means greater accountability. That means talking. You're, you're not going to share about your, your struggles with pornography or your argument with your wife with the whole church. But where clicks are bad is when you say, us four shut the door no more. That's not the church. But it's good to have an inner circle of friends. That's normal. That's actually what we're trying to create with our small groups. But ultimately, we have Christ. That's a great unifier. And so even the world says, you should have nothing to do with that person. And the world says, nah, I know people like this. I know people who grew up wealthy and are wealthy, and I don't think they know the name of a single blue-collar person in their lives except for the ones living in their homes because they work for them. This is the world. This is a problem. And they don't have the great unifier, Jesus Christ. The great equalizer, Jesus Christ. And so my point is, we have to see, because that's what causes divisions, right? I have this, you don't. Or, or even in our, our sense of humility or false humility or even just lack of self-confidence, we say, you have that, so I cannot be your friend. I can't talk to you. And that's just the reality of, of the world. I, I know 
we have many in our church who have graduated from some of the top universities in the world. And man, do you have to pry it out of them because they know. They know that the world has instilled in us this belief that you don't tell people that because then people treat you differently. Or the people who didn't go to college feel like they can't talk to you. Or worse, they judge you and think you're some sort of snob and think whatever. But that's not the church. And what I'm trying to do is trying to get you to see perhaps some modern-day versions of what's causing division in the Corinthian church. When we are humble enough, even past, yeah, you know, I went to this school, but it's just because this happened and this, and I'm, you know, it, it was back when they were trying to do affirmative action. It just happened that my great-grandfather was this, and we try to play it down. Even beyond that, where I say, yes, you know, I just really, I studied hard, and the Lord gave me the diligence and the ability to, to do that, and I ended up getting a, a, a bachelor's and a law degree from Harvard. But you know what? God is good, and God was gracious, and I know that that was just his sovereignty. You take it back. You take it all the way back. You think I would have what I have if God did not instill a desire in my parents who were non-Christians at the time to immigrate to America? I don't think so. It's all God. He's a great equalizer. He's a great unifier. We have all these things, but only because we have them in Christ. Let's pray. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Tune in next week for a continuation of this message. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Rogers' teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through the website gracebayarea.org. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.